A damning report from Canadian Forces staff who were called in to help at the height of the COVID-19 outbreak has revealed horrible conditions at some Ontario long-term care facilities. The report, which focused on conditions at five Toronto-area centres, detailed cockroach infestations, inadequate nutrition, rotten food, and one instance of a resident choking to death after being fed while lying down. Ontario Premier Doug Ford has called it the hardest day he's had as Premier. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. I talk with the National Post's Chris Selly about what the Premier is proposing to do now, how COVID-19 makes this situation worse, And later we touch on the controversy about large gatherings in Toronto parks. Don't forget you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Chris, at the height of the COVID-19 outbreak in Ontario, a plea went out for help from the Canadian Forces. They came in and they were working in care homes in Quebec and Ontario, and they've produced for the Ontario government a pretty damning report about conditions in some of these centres. What can you tell me about this report? Well, I mean, damning hardly even begins. I mean, these are inhuman conditions. We're talking about people sleeping in their own filth. We're talking about people not being given the most basic protections from COVID-19 infection. We're talking about workers who were basically not even trying to feed patients, but instead just putting on a form that they refused to eat. You know, just, just absolute third world horror show stuff. And it is shocking It's not as shocking as some people have made out. I mean, there's been reports after reports after reports over the years about the state of care at um, some Ontario long-term care homes. Somehow those don't seem to have really coalesced into sort of a political imperative to make things better, which is really strange when you think about how much we claim to value seniors, how much political attention we give seniors in general. But clearly, uh, there are a lot who are just forgotten about You know, obviously COVID-19 put enormous strain on these homes, but it's reasonable to assume that the conditions there were not up to standard beforehand Mm. because surely someone would have blown the whistle, or at least you would certainly hope staff members would have made their voices heard that this is just not acceptable. Why did we get this report? You know, everyone assumed, okay, the Canadian forces are going to send medically trained staff to go in and assist in these facilities and get Ontario through the worst of the pandemic. Was this something that was asked of them to compile findings in a report, or was this something that was unexpected to the Premier? My impression is it was a military operation. It had a code name and everything. I can't think what it is off the top of my head, but um, (laughs) this was a sort of a post, well, not a post mission. I mean, the mission is ongoing, but it was a report, um, which is what you would expect from any military operation. I don't actually know whether this came as a surprise or whether there was any sort of specific request to them to report, but it's something that I would expect the military to do no matter what kind of thing it's performing. This is obviously not its regular duties. Yeah, It reads like a military report, you know, like, mm-hmm. like findings they would come across on any mission. It just happens to be a mission in central Canada. Premier Doug Ford, when he released the report and was discussing the findings of the report, he said this is one of the hardest days he's had since he's been Premier of Ontario. Is he launching any kind of further investigation or any possible talk of penalties or anything like that for the conditions in these homes? What is the next step for the Ontario government here? 
whatever he is committed to at the moment, and it, it sort of varies day by day in terms of the press conferences, what he'll commit to. But certainly there will be a public inquiry. There's absolutely no way to avoid that, um, and nor should there be. I mean, if, the, if anything calls out for a public inquiry, this is it. He has mooted the idea of criminal charges against the operators of these homes, which I think is perfectly appropriate. Even if there was some excuse for falling into that state, there's no excuse not to throw up your hands and say, we need need help. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for just running, you know, keeping going and hoping that no one will notice. That's just appalling negligence. Now, this comes after already pretty damning reports of conditions in Quebec long-term care facilities. Does this speak to a larger issue of seniors care in Canada? And could there be any talk of federal intervention or a federal long-term care strategy to fix some of these problems? I'm sure that someone will come up with a federal long-term care strategy uh, or that people will call for it. I don't see any need for that. Quebec has fared much worse than Ontario in every respect, including in long-term care homes, um, at least if you look at the raw numbers in terms of fatalities and cases. Other countries have struggled as well. Sweden, which is not a country that you would expect to sort of have a big problem or I would expect Sweden to have the best long-term care homes and elderly care homes in in the world, um, just because they tend to sort of knock that stuff out of the park. Mm -hmm. But they've had their troubles as well. And I think it's a matter of, look, I mean, long-term care homes are always going to be susceptible to a bug like this, which is, you know, different bugs target different populations. But this one is very much a disease of the elderly. And there's only so much you can do sounds cruel and kind of cold-hearted, but the fact is that a lot of these people are older than our previous generations would ever have lived. And so they are that uniquely vulnerable. And all it takes is one person to come into the home with some bug that you haven't even detected yet. I mean, what are you supposed to do about that? And no doubt there are things that that can be done better. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we know what some of those things are. I mean, having staff members, for example, who go from home to home to home to home, that was something that we learned during SARS, or or we supposedly learned during SARS that that was a really bad idea, and yet it was still happening again. So, you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons that you need a public inquiry is to look soberly at what can be done accepting that any institutional environment is going to be high risk to the extent that the bug in question targets that population. I don't see any reason that provinces can't handle this on their own. I mean, this pandemic, people talk about the Canadian numbers, you know, every day we hang on the prime minister's every word. But this thing really is a Quebec thing and an Ontario thing. Mm -hmm. The other provinces are a a tiny fraction of the number of cases and the number of deaths that are in Ontario and Quebec. You mentioned earlier that it's not hard to think that these conditions existed previously. I'd seen some reporting that was shared again yesterday out of our colleagues at the Ottawa Citizen when they looked at conditions at some long-term care and nursing homes. Doug Ford is obviously the public face of the province of Ontario right now, but politically speaking, once we kind of the dust settles on the pandemic and we start looking at the politics of the situation, does he wear a lot of that or is he able to turn around and say, you know, I came in and this the system was a mess? And a lot of this falls at the feet of previous liberal governments. Does he get a chance to do that when this is all said and done? Or do do we have to wait for an inquiry to say, okay, this is where these problems started? And how much does that come into play for him? Well, I think it's unfortunate, <laughs> at the very least, from an optical standpoint, that one of the first things he did in government was cut inspections of long-term care homes. Mm-hmm. Less regulation is a solid conservative principle, but 
regulation also has its uses. Again, that, that's, that's sort of politically inconvenient for him. How much impact that really had in real life, that's something we don't know yet. If the situation in these long-term care homes before COVID-19 was really as bad as we think it was, then I certainly don't see how um, Marilee Fullerton, who's the minister responsible, can survive because she's had two years to get a handle on this and, and flag things to her government. I don't think that the calls for her to resign are unreasonable, but I don't think anyone believes that this is a one government problem. I mean, as you say, the citizen in particular has been reporting on this, I think starting in 2016, especially a variety of reports and a variety of allegations. And for whatever reason, as I say, these don't seem to have sort of risen to the top of the pile as political imperatives. So it, it's definitely a multi-government responsibility. But on the other hand, I mean, Ford himself has said the buck stops with him. Mm-hmm. So he seems he seems willing to uh, accept certainly his portion of the blame. I would say that this would have a huge impact on, on his government. But then again, I mean, all the previous reports didn't have a huge effect on those governments. Is this bad enough that it really leaves a mark and finally leads to long-term change? You'd like to think so because – well, because of the death toll, quite apart from anything else, yeah. um, you know, 82%, I think, last I saw of the deaths in, in Ontario were in long-term care homes, which you would expect the majority of deaths to be in institutions like those, but not in conditions like these mm-hmm. that require the military to come in, not just to help, but, but to flag the fact that we have a disaster on our hands. When you and I made arrangements to sit down and have a discussion for this podcast, we were going to talk about another issue that Ontario was having this week. And I do want to touch on that because I feel like a lot of eyes are on Ontario right now. I had spoken with The Post's Richard Warnica about reopening and how all eyes are on Ontario and how it does in the reopening. And as of the weekend, the focus was on a park in West End Toronto and Mayor John Tory's response to it and kind of how things shook out. How is Ontario doing with its reopening? And what does the Trinity Bellwoods Park fiasco say about that? I don't think we have any idea how we're doing with reopening. I don't think we're doing enough testing to know how we're doing. Ontario, like a lot of jurisdictions around the world, frankly, is rolling the dice. Mm -hmm. Because it has concluded, and the people have concluded, that enough's enough. Like, we can't go on like this. And hopefully in that period of time that governments had to knock this thing down, they did a good job. But if they didn't, then more people are going to suffer going forward. But I don't think there's going to be a second lockdown. I I don't think that's even conceivable during the summer. And I think that what we saw in Toronto over the weekend, which was a, a park full of, you know, mostly young people, a lot of them clearly not following social distancing rules is evidence enough that the lockdown phase here is over. And we're just going to have to see what happens because Torontonians have been very good. I mean, I don't live there. I don't live among 20 something hipsters. (laughs) I don't know how they think these young people, but you know, Torontonians have been very good, very obedient. You can see people letting up in recent weeks, I mean, every time I go to the grocery store, I feel like people are giving each other um, less wide a berth, 
which is kind of unnerving. But I think that this is just inevitable. I mean, we see it in cities around the world. You know, we, we've seen in New York, Mayor de Blasio has been, you know, chiding people for congregating on sidewalks. But I mean, this is like, you know, human beings are human beings. I, I, it's not necessarily to excuse their behavior, but these are apartment dwellers. These are people who don't necessarily have air conditioning. It was hot in Toronto over the weekend. Mm -hmm. I mean, people can only put up with so much. And there's not a lot of park space in downtown Toronto, I should point out. I mean, the other neighborhood parks were not as crowded because they're not as big a destination as Trinity Bowers is, but they were crowded. This is it. This is the reopening phase. How are we doing? I have no idea. I don't think we're going to know for a while, but it's happening. And I don't think there's any stopping it. So I hope that Ontario has done a better job than it looks like they've done. Because on the basic things from uh, even just, uh, you know, sourcing personal protective equipment, it's been a mad scramble. And on testing, it's been a disgrace. Yeah, They've spent weeks telling us we don't need to get tested. And then one morning, the public health officials showed up at the press conference, uh, the daily press conference, and were asked aloud why no one was going to get tested. Because you told us not to. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's been, a, it's been a shambles, but it's the one shot we got. So I hope it was good enough. <laughs> yeah. What do you make of, of John Tory and him going down to the park to talk to people and doing all of the things that he's been telling people not to do? He wasn't wearing a mask properly. He wasn't six feet away from people and then turning around and having to make an apology. Like, how does that hurt the government's ability, both locally and provincially, to get through to people to do the things that they're asking them to do? In some ways, I think that was classic John Tory. I, I, <laughs> he shows up. He's a mayor who, when there's something good or something bad, he shows up. Why his very professional staff couldn't manage to keep him in line <laughs> while he was there is beyond me. But people talk about that, right? People talk about, oh, well, if John Tory is going to do this, then why can't I? If Justin Trudeau is going to cross a provincial border to go to his cottage, why shouldn't I? Mm -hmm. If Doug Ford's going to get together with his daughters – why shouldn't I? I mean, I'd be interested to see a poll of about how many people are even aware of this. How many people actually know Justin Trudeau went to his cottage and that it's in a different province? I'd, I'm not sure people really take their cues from that. I think people might use it as an excuse that they were going to do it anyways, but they'll say, oh, well, John Tory <laughs> does it. Justin Trudeau does it. But I'm not sure that they're actually undermining the efforts against COVID-19. But on the other hand, I don't see what – like it would be so easy for them not to do these things. Yeah. I don't understand why they go ahead and do that. I mean, you see, like there's other countries where it would be suicide. I mean, in Britain, various political figures and, and medical figures have lost their jobs because they violated lockdown rulings. And here, people tend to try to make excuses. Certainly for Trudeau, people were making excuses. And, and, and I don't care. Like, I don't care that Justin Trudeau went to his cottage. That's not a threat. But, you know, nor is it a threat for other people to stock up on groceries and hole up in their cottages instead of in the city. So I doubt it has that much effect, but it would sure be nice if our leaders could stick to the script. It is curious to see how Ontario will fare going forward and maybe the park goers at Trinity Bellwoods will kind of get the message over time, but I guess we'll, we'll see how that goes. Chris, thanks for your time. Thank you. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Chris Selly. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.